Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Suzanne Blimson and this is News in Focus, where we offer our insights into the global news stories that matter. Sotheby's has gone under the hammer for $3.7 billion, ending 31 years of public ownership, with the venerable auction house sold to Patrick Drahi, billionaire founder of the European telecoms group Altis. Arash Masoudi discusses the sale and what it means for the art market with Harriet Agnew and Melanie Gerlis. Melanie, can you first give us a bit of recent history about Sotheby's? It claims to be the oldest and largest internationally recognized firm of fine art auctioneers in the world. But it has been in decline in recent years. Why is this? Well, I think decline is probably strong. There are ups and downs. But yes, it's been a pretty rollercoaster few years. It's tough out there. I think we see these incredibly high prices for art and there's huge demand. But it's a limited market. So what you get is a highly competitive environment and margins are squeezed. For Sotheby's specifically, I would say, yes, things came to a head about five, six years ago when they seemed to be losing market share to their arch rival, Christie's. And then what happened is some very vocal hedge fund investors got involved. Their then chief executive left in 2015 and now they have Tad Smith And there was lots of upheaval. They lost some specialists, although they were by no means the only firm to do so. But it was a sign of an industry that's in flux, but that also seems to have run out of ways to grow. But at the same time, as you say, it's a very strong brand. It's been going for 275 years, and I'm sure they're counting. And the hedge fund, of course, you're referring to is Dan Loeb's third point hedge fund, which took a position and ultimately joined the board of the company after berating some of the culture. Absolutely. I mean, some extraordinary letters that were sent out. And then, yes, now he's on the same team. And so what did Tad Smith do? Because in saluting the deal, a lot of people pointed to Tad Smith's leadership of the company. So what were the steps taken by management to restore faith in the company? I mean, they they had to start making profits, margins were very squeezed, are actually very squeezed, but they put up their fees. You know, they charge a commission to buyers and to sellers extraordinarily. But bit by bit, they've put up those fees. The question is how far that can go. I mean, it's up to 25% to buy from most auction houses. He cost cut, I mean, of the people who left, really, rather than replacing them with other top end specialists, there was an emphasis on some bright young things. And he has invested in some technology, you know, making buying and selling a little easier online. He's bought a machine learning business. But again, that's at a very, very early stage. The art market doesn't seem to have any convincing disruption yet. And so we've talked about Christie's, but are there other art market auctioneers? How are they doing? And I guess really, how is Christie's doing vis-a-vis Sotheby's? Yeah, I mean, between them, Christie's and Sotheby's account for 80% of art that's worth $1 million and above. So they really are a fairly dominant duopoly. There are ebbs and flows in terms of who's on top. Uh, Last week's auctions in London, Sotheby's had a better week. But Christie's seems to be doing better in the all-important New York sales. And they get those mega auctions, right? Exactly. The Saudi crown prince bought the Salvatore de Mundi that everyone's familiar with. Yes. Some of these big blockbuster... Yes. Christie's seems to have the marketing machine behind it. And they've had a pretty good few years. They had the Rockefeller sale as well. So they've had some good brand name auctions. And do you make money? And just uh, curious, Uh, do you make money on those sale processes? Or is it made by having just constant churn and lots of stuff? I think you've hit the nail on the head. Actually, the problem is, 
you don't make that much money with the high end sales. Not only are they marketing heavy, incredibly marketing heavy, but they also, because of the competition to get consignments, you give a little bit of your margin away. There you go. So enter Patrick Drahi. Harriet, hmm. what do we know about his background, about the buyer of Sotheby's? So Patrick Drahi, the new buyer, well, he's really known for his activities, not in the art world, but in the telecoms industry. He's someone who's always been very entrepreneurial. When he was fresh out of university and armed only with a $9,000 student loan, he dug up streets in France and put in cable lines for television. And then he flipped the company just before the dot-com bubble burst. Then in the past two decades, he's really created this vast empire in telecoms and media, which stretches across France, Israel, Portugal, and then increasingly the US. And he's quite controversial because he's used about 50 billion euros in debt in order to build this empire. And he's a very voracious dealmaker. I think in terms of the art world, he's a collector, but he's not super well known. He likes 20th century painters like Picasso and Matisse, and also French Orientalist painters such as Géricault and Delacroix. But I think it is important to note that before his surprise acquisition of Sotheby's, he was relatively unknown both on the art scene and among Sotheby's investors like Dan Loeb. And so do we know what he intends to do with Sotheby's and why he decided to buy it? Well, he's said very little, only that he's long been a client and an admirer of Sotheby's. And notably, the investment is done not by Altice, his telecoms company, but by his family holding company. He says that it's about a long-term family investment in an industry that he's passionate about. But I think it's also about acquiring a trophy asset. It's about his legacy, rather than this being a great moneymaker. We don't know how involved Patrick is going to be with Sotheby's, if indeed he plans to be at all. At this stage, he said that he's 100% committed to Altice and to the telecoms and media business. But I think it would be unlikely that he didn't have some kind of plan for Sotheby's or some ideas on perhaps restructuring it. Um, But I think it's unlikely we'll hear more about that until the deal is closed. And Harriet, as you mentioned, Drahi, someone we've both covered very closely, he really built this telecoms empire in Europe. And as you mentioned, has increasingly focused on the US. What's happened in Europe is his company, Altice, has performed quite badly and it's debt laden and saddled. And it's not a very happy story. But in the process, he basically hived off the US assets, which are performing much better and which are much more preferred by stock market investors. And so his fortunes in the US are doing much, much better than they are in Europe. And interestingly, in some of his communications around the deal, he really talked about how this is a sign of him further embracing the US and moving towards there. So it raises all kinds of questions about the performance of his European assets and his sort of commitment to them and whether he'll be 100% focused on Altice's European operations. And now, of course, both of the world's major art houses are held by French billionaires. Christie's held by the Pinot family and their private holdings. So both will be private. And one, which was listed, of course, Sotheby's, provided a bellwether for the state of the art market. And maybe some argue on the confidence or thinking of the super rich with its quarterly financial reporting. How much will this be missed, Melanie? Oh, I'm going to miss quarterly reporting hugely. The art market is very opaque. You rarely know buyers or sellers by name. Most prices are unknown. There's a lot that goes on behind even those closed doors. So any verifiable numbers are very welcome, even just to prove what you suspect is true. So yes, I think it's a great shame. And what impact will the sale of Sotheby's to a private owner have on transparency within the art market? As you mentioned, it's already quite an opaque market. I mean, I think it matters hugely. I think we're in a world now where there are calls for more transparency everywhere. And this is closing a window on an already opaque market. At the same time, it's probably better for them. 
it gives them a bit more flexibility. They can make longer term risks away from my scrutiny. And I guess it's a level playing field, as you say, with Christie's. And I guess as we reported the story, one of the things we discovered was that by Christie's being private, they were able to take bigger risks and bolder risks outside of the purview of the market, whereas Sotheby's was always exposed to this quarterly reporting. And so I guess part of the thinking here is that with being private, it can compete better against Christie's. Exactly. And I think, you know, the pressures of quarterly reporting and how short termist you have to be. But absolutely, if Sotheby's had an outstanding guarantee or a work that wasn't paid for, we would know about it. With Christie's, we don't have a clue. And last question for Harriet. Is this now a done deal? I mean, Drahi has paid a 61% premium to the undisturbed price. So it's a huge, huge price. Is it possible we're going to see another buyer? Well, I mean, in theory, we could. In theory, another buyer could step in in order to outbid Drahi. But given, you know, that it is this over 60% premium, you struggle to think who would think that that was a good idea. I think that's another thing that people were puzzled about, you know, why Drahi felt the need to pay this massive premium when there were no other competing bidders. You know, there are people who feel that maybe he should have offered less of a premium and then used the money that he saved in order to keep the top people at Sotheby's on board, because now everyone there is slightly looking over their shoulder and sort of fearing for their jobs. Absolutely. And Dan Loeb, who was the hedge fund manager who had gotten on the board, obviously was very happy because he was actually underwater on his investment. But with the 61% premium, walked away with a profit of, I think we reported, around $125 million on his investment. So any further bids will just be more good news for the shareholders of Sotheby's. That was Arash Masidi, our corporate finance and deals editor, talking to Harriet Agnew, FT Paris correspondent, and Melanie Gurness, our art market columnist. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, if you missed our recent episodes on dementia care, Kamala Harris and the race for the US Democratic nomination, or Donald Trump's clash with the ECB over monetary policy, you can find them on all the usual podcast platforms.